Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. Today we're talking about the Last Supper that we often call communion, which we just partook of. And last week we looked at in Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entry when Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem and they praised him. And this was on a Sunday and it began the last week of his life on earth. And it began the public proclamation of Jesus as the Christ. And later that week, he would be arrested, crucified, buried, and then would be raised again. Now, in Mark chapter 14, where we pick up today, this is uh, Thursday of that same week. And it's the day that all Jewish people would celebrate the Passover, as well as the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. By this time, they kind of ran together, and they were referred to really as the same thing, but there were, they were, those things were happening this week. And that Thursday morning, they would prepare their Passover lambs at the temple to have all their preparations ready to take of the Passover meal that evening. And so turn with me to Mark chapter 14, and uh, we'll look at this. Now, the Passover meal, as you remember, we mentioned it some last week, was to what? To commemorate God delivering, saving the Israelites from slavery and bondage in Israel that we read about way back in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And in chapter 12 is the story of the 10th plague when Moses kept going back to Pharaoh, let my people go, let my people go, because Pharaoh was holding the Israelites in slavery. And God was, they had been crying out to God. He was ready to free his people. They had turned back to him and he used Moses as his deliverer to free his people. But Pharaoh continued to refuse to let the people go. And so it got all the way to the 10th plague and God was, had had enough. And so the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn of every family, firstborn son and firstborn uh, even of animals. And so that night, God told Moses to have the Israelites, the Jewish people, to sacrifice a lamb. Every home had to have a lamb and have unleavened bread. And they would partake of that lamb. They would be dressed ready to go. And that's why the bread was unleavened originally. They didn't have time. You don't have time to let it rise. You've got to make this bread and you've got to be ready to go when I say it's time to go. And take some of that blood from that lamb that you sacrificed for your meal tonight and put some of that blood on the door frames of your home. And that way, when I send my angel across the land of Egypt and all firstborn sons would die, your your household will be spared. That's what was happening that night. And so the Passover meal that God told them from now on, I want you to celebrate this, to remember your deliverance, to remember that I saved you. You do this every year. And this was that time when, of year when they would partake of the Passover, the Lord's Supper, or the Passover that would become the Lord's Supper. So turn with me to Mark chapter 12, 14, and look at verses 12 through 16. Real quickly, we learn that Jesus sends out 
two of his disciples. Mark doesn't even tell us, none of the gospel writers tell us even who they are, but he sends two out into town to make preparations for the Passover meal that night. And he says, you're going to find a guy in God's divine authority. He says, there's going to be someone ready who will give you their upper room and all the preparations will be made. They'll be ready to go. You go find him. And then we find that in verses 17 through 21, Mark writes this, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. What does that tell us? That tells us that only those two disciples that he sent out to find the upper room to make things ready, and Jesus knew where it was. They were the only ones that knew about this. Jesus sent them out on their own to make these preparations. Well, why is that interesting, or why is that important? Because look at verse number 18 in Mark chapter 14. Then in verse 18, after they've eaten their food, they've been eating, Jesus says, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So Mark doesn't even tell us that it's Judas, but Matthew does. He says that uh, Judas even asks him, Lord, is it me? And Jesus says that it is. And then in John 13, 30, John tells us that Jesus identified his betrayer was Jesus. Jesus, and then Judas took off and left. So why was it important that Jesus just sent those two disciples to make preparations? So that the others didn't know where they would celebrate the Passover meal. Why? Because Jesus was in control of how this was going to go down, of these events this week. He, was, he, he did that often when he told people, don't go tell what I did, the way I healed you or whatever, because he wasn't ready. Jesus was in divine control of how this was going to play out. And he didn't want Judas to know the location of their Passover meal. Why? Because we find out that just a few verses earlier in Mark 14, 10, and 11, and other authors record this, that Judas has already gone on his own to the chief priest and offered to betray Jesus for money. This has already happened, and Jesus knew it happened. So he didn't want Judas to know where they were so that Judas couldn't couldn't let them know the location and come and arrest him. Does that make sense? And so Jesus was in control of the events that happened, and he wanted the arrest to happen later at the appropriate time, which would actually be very soon. Now, the Passover meal that they would partake in was very important, as we said, to them for, for all of their lives, for generation after generation, this meal was important to Jewish people. It reminded them of God's deliverance and salvation from slavery and from bondage. It reminded them of how God saved them. And they were commanded and everybody went to Jerusalem and celebrated the Passover meal. Look at in, in Luke twenty two fifteen. 15, Jesus was looking forward to spending this time with them because Luke tells us, Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew how important th- this particular moment was going to be. He knew what, was, what he was about to do and he knew how important this was for the future church, for the future of God's people. Now, let's go to verses 22 through 25 of Mark 14. We get to the Passover meal where we want to spend most of our time. And let me read 22 through 25. 
And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given, it, given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Notice verse 22 and what it begins with. And as they were eating, what, what were they doing? What, were, what was happening? What were they eating? They were eating their Passover meal. They were eating the lamb that they had had sacrificed that earlier that day and prepared for them to eat that evening. That's what they were eating, their sacrificial lamb that took them all the way back to the Exodus where God delivered their people. And so what Jesus is doing is he's going to take the elements of the lamb and the bread that they were used to and he's going to change everything about the Passover meal that they that they were used to for generations. And he was going to give new meaning to what is going what they were doing and what happens when you come together to commune in this way. The lamb they were eating represented that night of the tenth plague. And that unleavened bread represented what they ate with it. And they weren't to use leaven, as we said, because they didn't have time to let it rise. So you've got to make your bread quickly and you've got to be dressed and ready to go because when I send my angel and he does what he does, then I'm going to let you know it's time to take off running and get out of Egypt because I've freed you. Now, Jesus took uh, this unleavened bread that they were eating and He blessed it and broke it and He gave it to them. And He said, this is my body. This bread represents my body. See, that's not the way they understood the unleavened bread at that time. They did not associate it with the body of Christ. Jesus is changing everything right now. And He says, this bread that you partake of every time that takes you back to the Exodus, now... This bread is my body. It represents my body. Of course, they didn't fully understand what he meant. They didn't understand completely that he was about to be crucified. It just didn't compute for them yet, even until afterwards. And so he, he, he had them partake of this bread. And then Jesus took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and He gave thanks for it, and He gave it to them. And remember what He said, This is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Well, this hadn't happened yet. What are you talking about, Jesus? They didn't fully grasp it. But He said, This represents the blood that I'm going to pour out for many. Now Luke says that in Luke 22:20 20, that this is the new covenant in My blood. That's the words Jesus used according to Luke. That this is the new covenant. In other words, I'm doing something new. The old covenant, the old uh, 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 way of worship, the Old Testament uh, rules for worship and guidelines for worship, the ways you worship, that's gone now. It's fulfilled in me. This is the new way and this blood is the new covenant. And you can go to Hebrews and you read all through Hebrews about the, uh, the blood of Christ ushering in the new covenant. And then Matthew adds this in Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Why was this His blood that's the new covenant, why is it poured out for many? For the forgiveness of their sins. He said, that's what it's for. I'm going I'm to shed my blood for your forgiveness, which would happen the next day. Now, it's no longer the blood of the young lamb, the lamb that they had cooked and were eating. It's no longer the blood of the lamb that, that uh, they would, the cup represented. It's not that. It represents the blood of Jesus. And it's not the blood of the lamb that they put on their doorposts. It's the blood of Christ marked on their life that washes away their sin. That would wash away their sins. So for the, for the phrase, for the forgiveness of sins, that Matthew uses is exactly the phrase that that Peter used on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. When he was preaching about Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us, that he was crucified for us, and and they believed this message, and they cried out, what do we do now that we've heard this message and we believe? And Peter tells them in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, in order to get, in order to gain the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross uh, accomplished the same goal as what this blood in the cup, uh, the fruit of the vine, represented. They They accomplished the same goal. The forgiveness of sins, deliverance from the bondage of sin, slavery to sin, which is what the, the, the Passover foreshadowed. Do you see that? It foreshadowed Jesus' deliverance from sin. God's deliverance from Egypt in the bondage of slavery foreshadowed, pointed to the deliverance Jesus would give us on the cross from the slavery to sin and death. And the full meaning of what was about to take place was was lost on the disciples. They couldn't quite get it yet until after the cross, where we looked at last week, John would explain it to them. You see, the Passover meal looks forward to the cross. And it remembers what God did. And it's the Lord's Supper that looks back at the cross to remember what Jesus did for us. The the Passover meal pointed us to the cross, what was coming, true deliverance, not from earthly slavery, but true deliverance from the slavery of sin and death. And when we partake, when Christians partake of the Lord's Supper, we're looking back on the cross to remember that deliverance from slavery of sin and death, to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. You could say that the Lord's Supper is the New Testament Passover meal. It's the ultimate Passover meal. Jesus fulfilled the symbolic uh, Passover meal, purpose of it, by His own sacrifice being the true and perfect Lamb of God. He was the true sacrifice. He was the true Passover lamb. He fulfilled what it was all about on the cross. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, we learn that the early church took of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. That's that's how often they did it. They did it every first day of the week. They remembered what Jesus did for them. You know, we can't overlook the way the Bible uses leaven 
throughout Scripture to symbolize sin and evil. In fact, over time, uh, the Jewish people, they understood the association that, that, that isn't spelled out for us in Exodus 12. They understood the association of leaven because they were commanded in, uh, in, back in Exodus 12 about when it came to the 10th plague, get all the leaven out of your house. No leaven can out near you. I don't want it around you because it was understood by the Jewish people and even up until this day in Scripture in the New Testament, that the leaven represented sin. And one of the things that uh, uh, symbols and, and figures of speeches that Jesus used often and the apostles was the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of sin and a little leaven works through the whole dough. They understood its comparison to sin and evil. And so there's something significant about it being as a part of the Lord's Supper or communion and representing the body of Jesus. Now, this is interesting, though, in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 3. God calls the unleavened bread used in the Passover the bread of affliction. It's because of the suffering that the Israelites were rescued from. He calls it the bread of affliction. I want you to remember your affliction, your suffering, what you were dealing with, what you endured, what you went through. The bread of affliction. I want you to remember that when you take the Passover. But a passage that we use a lot in communion about Jesus in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 makes a connection to this bread of affliction and Jesus' sacrifice. Listen to what Isaiah says. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. See, you got to read that right. We esteemed him. We assumed God was just doing that to him. That, that, that he deserved that, that he needed that. That's what we thought, but that's not what was true. What's true is he was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. The affliction that Jesus endured, that His body endured, the blood that He shed, wasn't because He deserved it. It was because we deserved it. And there's a connection to this bread of affliction. And when we take the partake of the unleavened bread to remember the perfect sinless body and person of Christ who was that perfect Passover lamb, sinless, who died for us when we were the ones that deserved death. When they selected the lamb from their flock, it had to be perfect, uh, unblemished, spotless. And that's who Jesus was, but the true lamb of God, the Son of God. Jesus was afflicted for our sins. He suffered so that He could deliver us and give us salvation. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 through 9. Talk, he's talking about sin in our lives and in context sin there in the church in Corinth. But listen to how he makes this connection for us and helps us understand it. Cleanse out the old leaven, he says, that you may be a new lump, lump of dough, 
as you really are unleavened. He's saying, that's who you are. That's your new identity. You're unleavened bread, meaning what? Sinless. How are you sinless? He's talking to a church in Corinth that's full of sin and many of them boasting in that sin. But he says, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. In other words, remember the, what the Christ, the Passover lamb, did for you. His sacrifice. And that when you partake of the Lord's Supper, which they had an issue with, they weren't doing properly. Uh, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you need to remember that His sacrifice made you unleavened bread. In other words, sinless before him, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Just as the Jews observed the Passover throughout history until Jesus came the first time, Christians today observe the Lord's Supper until Jesus comes the second time. Do you see that? Either way, it's pointing to Jesus. So let me ask this question as we wrap up. Why does Jesus want us to remember his death on the cross each week? Two things that we see. So that we'll remember our what? Our sin. And so that we'll remember our Savior. See, we do this every week because we need weekly reminders. We need to come together and commune, to do this together in unity, to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that He did it because of our sin, and that He was the perfect Lamb, He was our Savior. And if we would just remember that, what difference would that make in our lives? The, the, this meal with the Master that the disciples had was so that we would remember our Savior. We would remember our salvation. This new covenant that Jesus gave us uh, by His death is not one that's based on the law. That's what the Passover was based on. But this, this new supper, this new meal that we take, the Lord's Supper, is now based on a relationship with Jesus. It's not about following a law that says you have to do this, here's the way you do it and all that. It's about because of our saving relationship with Jesus, we do this because of who He is and what He does for us, what He did for us on the cross. And we want to remember that every week and even every day of our lives. When we take of the Lord's Supper, we're doing two things. We're remembering, as we talked about in the communion focus this morning. We're remembering the Lord's death for all of us. Now that's interesting because he could have said death, burial, resurrection, and all these other things. And, and, and he does, he's, not, he's not excluding those or minimizing those, but he is zeroing in on I want you to remember the death, the cost, that it, the price that Jesus paid, that God paid, the death of His, what? Firstborn. Do you see the connection to Exodus? The death of the firstborn. It was a high price to pay. It was the highest price. And God said, I paid that price for you, and I want you to remember that. Do this, Jesus said in Luke twenty-two, twenty-five. 25. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And the second thing, the reason we partake of communion every week is to proclaim the Lord's death for us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you what? Proclaim the Lord's death until you come. We proclaim the one who came to save us from our sins. And that's why we come together to do this, to proclaim it among each other, to help each other remember. Do you remember what we're here for? Do you remember what church is about, what worship is about? It's not about all these other things. It's about our Savior who saved us. It's about Him. And we proclaim Him, and then we want to proclaim Him outside of the walls of the church building. I want to ask you tonight, you know, we ought to be, this morning, we ought to be so thankful of what Jesus did for us because He died on the cross for our sins and so our sins can be forgiven so that we have an opportunity to be saved because by our own power there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. It took the power of God in the sacrifice of Jesus to save us from our sins. I want to ask you, are you living like you're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus? Is that the way you live your life? Not just here at church, not just when it's convenient or popular, but every day. And I think all of us could say, I don't always do that. And that's what I want to remind us of and encourage us to do. Let's live our lives like we're thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Maybe you have already responded to the gospel. You've put on Christ in baptism, and, you've been, and, and you're, you are a Christian. But you haven't been living in a way that's thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. And you realize that, and you want, you want Jesus to be the focus of your life. We want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you haven't even become a Christian yet and you, you believe in Jesus and you know about Him, but, but you need to talk to somebody about this or, and, and you need to study. Maybe you need prayers about it. Maybe you're ready to take that step and become a Christian this morning. Say, I see what He did for me. I know what He did. I believe that message. I want to be united with Him in baptism and have forgiveness of my sins that He offers me through His sacrifice. That opportunity is also available to you this morning. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please, come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.